It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to, Welcome, to Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name is Adrian Hernandez. We are here today to talk about the Colorado Avalanche and all things pertinent and relatively recent. So I'm here with managing editor Evan. I'm here with Ezra and I'm here with Jacob. Hello and thank you gentlemen for joining me. As Hi. always. Yeah, yeah. So good to be here. Yeah. So let's just honestly, we got a lot to talk about today. I feel like this is one of the more um, active shows that we're going to have in terms of getting into a lot of topics. So we'll just drop the puck and get right into our poll of the week, which I was kind of stumped on what even to ask because everything so far and currently is centered around injuries. And I feel like we've done six episodes about injuries. (laughs) So I didn't want to do that. Uh, So the poll of the week was how worried are you that the avalanche might miss the playoffs now that we've fallen into the wild card in the standings, I think that may have raised some eyebrows once people looked in the standings. So I'll start with you, Evan. Uh, how worried are you, and do you agree with the poll results, which are that we're not that worried, but bordering sort of worried? Yeah, I, w- I won't lie. When I saw the poll, I thought it was like, just how worried are you right now? And I put somewhat worried. Which, like, I feel like that's acceptable. I didn't realize it had said playoffs. I obviously can't read. I feel like that's important <laughs> for the job. Uh, but that's a side tangent. Anywho, um, I, I'm i not worried about missing the playoffs. I'm more so worried about where they're going to end up. Gotcha. Um, because the longer that this has been going on, the the less likely it seems as if they are going to end up in the top top of the central. The more this, the more this carries on, the more this continues, and – the more there's more setbacks and injuries and, you know, all that, um, we can go on the seventh episode about injuries, you know, yeah. you know, but, um, I, I feel like it, that's starting to get out of, out of reach. Right. And I, I would look more towards, you know, can they get to second in the central, um, or even third, can they just not get a wild card, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I'm more interested in, at least right now for the time being. That makes sense. And Ezra, do you agree with that? Would you kind of like expand on that? If so. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm. I don't. I can't see this team missing the playoffs. There's not enough challenge coming from the bottom of the Central Division, uh, and they are going to get healthy. And when they do, it's going to turn around. But I think Evan's concern is really valid because if they end up playing, uh, you know, a a, a a a Dallas Stars team that's cooking and and wins the Central Division and is playing super well uh that's going to be a much bigger challenge than anyone else really i mean for sure they're they're the big contenders you could end up sliding over to the pacific and playing vegas as well i honestly uh, i'm kind of cool with that i, I would love i to think see that, that that's oh, gonna, i would love that yeah, that's my great play anybody but, in the pacific. uh yeah play anybody in the pacific exactly <laughs> but ending up playing dallas is a little more challenging 
On the flip side, though, I do think if the Avs get healthy and uh, start playing like the Avs we've come to know from the last, you know, specifically last year, but also the years before that, they're going to be dangerous for whoever they play. And yep. I'm not that worried. See, and that's where the reason why I was like, okay, I'll ask this question, even though I don't think it's that pertinent uh, right now, is like if a couple of these guys don't actually return the way we think they are or return and get injured again, kind of like what happened to Nachushkin. This injury wave can turn from a wave into kind of the story of the season. And Jacob, mm-hmm. maybe you can ease my worries. <laughs> Do you think that that's a, that's something to be legitimately concerned about? It is, but I think that there's, you know, there's one thing, a silver lining, I guess you could say, to, to all these injuries is that, you know, say that Nachushkin, he's not ready, going to be ready till the playoffs, you know, they can stick him on long-term IR and that's a big salary that, yeah. that they free up. Yeah. And so like, it it is worrisome, all of, all of these injuries, but at, at a certain point, if it piles up enough, I think that they, especially with a guy like Nachushkin, where it does definitely seem to be like, you know, we don't know if it's going to, if he's going to feel right, you know, next tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, it's just kind of a, you know, day by day, basis with him i could see them saying you know what forget it just get you know rest is is the prescription for nichushkin put him on long-term ir go get bohorvat or you know some other you know big time player with a big contract and then come playoff time all of a sudden we're feeling a whole lot better about all this yeah that's an interesting point because you're that that does help in the event that these guys do have a tough time coming back their designation can change and then we're kind of playing ball Speaking of playing ball, somebody must have saw one. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, so it's it's uh it's something that, you know, like I'm not like I said, I'm not worried yet. Um I don't think the worry will hit until we're actually out of the playoff picture and we still don't have guys back. The way it is as it sits now, and we'll kind of get into this in our next segment with the comparisons, the way it sets up now, it's it's really about the divisions. And I think, Ezra, you kind of talked a little bit about that already. So that's a good segue. We're going to jump into the player comparisons. Now, I'm trying to get these cards up on the screen so that the fans can also see what we're talking about. So I'll throw the first and uh, the first comparison of these are two players. Let me see if I can even do this. I'm uh, I'm supposed to be technologically savvy <laughs> to do this job. But... I was going to say, if while you're doing that, can I add on something? For to sure. The... Yeah. So, you know, we, we talk about the divisions and, you know, where we're going to end up and all that, all those things. Right. Um, and, you know, the, there's a couple of cave- caveats to it already. We've already mentioned that players are going to, you know, knock, knock on wood, hopefully come back soon. Um, we saw Helm this morning, at least at the time nice. of this recording in a, nor- in a normal Jersey, um, which thank goodness. Cause I mean, <laughs> there, uh, yeah, just, that's a, that's a big piece of, of the abs that would come back, you know, hopefully soon. And then McKinnon could come back as soon as tomorrow night against Toronto um, Landeskog, January, February, whenever that is. Um, but then also the second caveat is that, the abs have still played less games than everybody in the central. Right. Um, I'm, let me see. I'm, I'm pulling up the standings really quickly. Yeah, the so abs have played really, everyone ahead of them that has played more games than them. Mm-hmm. Right. So the abs have played 34 and then like Dallas who's leading has played 37. Okay. So that's, you know, it's a lot of games. 
And and the Avs are they're in the first wild card spot right now, and they're one point behind Minnesota. But Minnesota has already played an, an additional game as well. So there's still plenty of time to, you know, be working through this and knock on wood that everything goes goes right along the way and that, you know, it'll only help um the Avs climb climb up the standings. Right. Yeah. That's go ahead, Jacob. I say just to, to piggyback off Evan's point, um, you know, I'm looking at uh, natural stat trick, their you know, advanced stats. And so like course I four at, at five on five, uh, the abs are sixth in the NHL. And so, you know, the pr- process has been pretty good this year. They've, you know, they've played well, they've played, they've played their system, but if you switch it to expected goals, you can see where they drop off and they're 24th in okay. the NHL at expected okay. goals at five on five. And so, you know, I think that's just where you see the injuries, uh, you know, take, taking their toll that they can play their system. But, with, you know, without like Nathan McKinnon, that's the the engine that run that runs everything. And so they can keep puck possession. They can keep, you know, playing their game. But it's they're just struggling to put it in the back back of the net right now. And you would hope that, you know, when McKinnon comes back, that can help ease that a little. I think now is the time that I've noticed his absence more than literally ever in his career, which I think does say a lot about how McKinnon has grown as a leader and not so much as, uh, I mean, obviously he's gotten better skill-wise and production-wise. That's definitely the important part. But I think the other side is like no Landeskog and no McKinnon. We're seeing Miko kind of fill those shoes the best way he can, which to me is like he just puts the puck in the net. That's what Miko knows how to do, and that's his version of leadership. And I've, I'll take that from him, honestly, because like mm-hmm. you said, when, when we get McKinnon back, you'll see a different side. And I think, Evan, you might have tweeted last night during the game, like, uh-oh, I think the Avalanche have got their groove back or something to that point that won't be a little premature yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. we won't hey we won't talk to about the that. Best of us. <laughs> i will say though in those moments we did see some of that as the not so happy old people in the industries put it skilling it up i love it when the avalanche play like that and kind of play with their food like that last pass to comfer really wasn't necessary but did you see how open that net was Oof. and how nice that felt? So I'm kind of cool <laughs> with that play style. And I think that doesn't really come back all the way until you have McKinnon back in the lineup. We saw McCarr doing McCarr things, but even then he's usually dishing to 29 who can finish. And that's kind of what we're missing right now. So that's yeah. That's and if I could add to that, for sure. uh, I think like we've seen slow starts from this team pretty much every game since McKinnon got hurt. And with no McKinnon and no Landeskog, they're the two guys who jumpstart this team are both out. And when and, and and we're seeing it, we're seeing it. Sometimes they overcome it, they come back and they, they give up a, an early lead, they come back and they win. But like last night, they gave up an early lead. They came back, took a lead, and and just didn't have enough gas left in the tank to keep it going. Um, so it, it's those early leads that are are so frustrating, and something that I think McKinnon specifically helps a ton with. Yes. Uh, but then Landeskog obviously also helps with that too. for sure because so a lot getting of those guys back is going to make a big yeah. Difference. A lot of those early chances that are just early chances are early goals when you have guys like mm-hmm. McKinnon on the ice. You're you could we've seen it time and time again. The Av score in like the first two minutes of the game in big games. Yeah against good teams so you're totally right yeah and it's it's conversions of of chances but i also mean just in terms of like the intensity of starting games 
McKinnon is such an intense guy. Uh, we You're all know around that. Him. everybody who's ever watched him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Rantanen is not. <laughs> and if Rantanen's your leader, you're going to start a little slow. And, and sure. that's not to knock Rantanen because he's great at what he does, but he is definitely a more laid back. Dude. Yeah, he's so his, he's just, his own uh, guy because I think he's yeah. not not to say that he's lazy or anything, but he's notorious for being like the last one in to skate. But he's usually mm-hmm. playing pretty well. So his whatever his technique is, it works for him. So like I said, I'm not dogging the guy, but you're totally right. It's it's McKinnon never turns off. Like mm-hmm. it, everything he eats, everything he does goes into performing on the ice. Even playing Fortnite, I imagine he's found a way to construe that in his mind to feel like it helps. It's probably that downtime, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, let's get into this player comparison segment that took me so long to actually come up with. But I got him on the screen now, and I'll preface this with once you know who they are, it'll make total sense why I put them on, but it's probably going to piss you off because this is that hill I love to die on. (laughs) So I think we talked a little bit too much (laughs) before we came on today, so I'll just spill the beans. (laughs) The bottom one is definitely JT Comfer. And Ezra, you picked me out. It didn't take long. So now the, the <laughs> yeah, debate... I, I, I don't know the top one. So yet. yeah, let's so... talk about Ezra. Who do you think the top one is since you pegged me on the bottom? I, I'm ha- I, uh, you, can I ask for a clue? You can. It's a simple clue. For it's a sure. simple clue. Is this an Avalanche player? Current Avalanche player? Not a current avalanche okay player. is it nazim kadri it is absolutely nazim kadri oh okay. so okay that's my thought that's the, the reason why i wanted to bring this to the table even though it's kind of cringy is i feel like the 2c role that is going to be talked about when everything settles is not really going to be talked about when everything settles and here's why because i think the avs are gonna make up for it and i i say this all the time sound like such a nerd but in the aggregate and i say this because we have like six three c's it feels like (laughs) in my mind Mm -hmm. so i and i think that that will go a long way to alleviating it, not to mention, if you look at JT Confer's production, he's really not that bad of a replacement over Nazem Kadri. Obviously, you can see here, he's played against better competition. He's uh, also played with worse teammates. He's finished better, he being Confer finishing better, but everybody, everything else was Kadri. What is your take on all this, Jacob? I mean, the finishing figure really does jump out a bit. Right. That probably is tied into how good Comfer is at, at deflecting shots. Right. That I, I'd imagine that's where a lot of that comes through. Um, you know, the, him being an elite defender—that's that's nothing surprising. That's right. you know what makes Comfer such a, an intriguing player. Um, the but I think that like you look at this and like if you wouldn't have told me that that this is JT Comfer, it makes sense. The that this all is Comfer. You know, yeah. PK. Just, that looks a little weird it can always you know that's small sample stuff or early in the season so i don't put too much stock into that but like that really does kind of paint a, a picture of you know who comfort is as a player um where he you know his finishing ability his ability to tip pucks to get in front of the net and to do all the the dirty things in front of the net 
that makes him a legit top six player, mm-hmm. but he doesn't necessarily have the skill set outside of that right. to really, you know, hang the way that Nazem Kadri can. And so, like, I think that he really d- is kind of an avatar for how the Avalanche are, have struggled in that, you know, they're not getting run over. They're they're controlling the puck. They're they're playing their style, but they just, you know, getting that that extra oomph to to get them across the finish line. They're having having a bit of a trouble this year. I think you know, Comfort being a, a little bit out of out of his depth as a you know two C or even a one C for the last month or so for sure is, is part of the big reason why. Say say I have to get over keeping JT Comfort, which I will. Because I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. Looking mm-hmm. at this and listening to what you say, like the the honest human in me says, it sounds like he'd be a really good fit for a very particular situation, and he sounds like he fills a role that we don't need to have filled here. In that he doesn't quite fit the way the Avs play in terms of finishing, although his finishing numbers are good. Like you said, he's kind of a model for how they're playing right now, which is solid, but not really good enough. And yeah, I think, go ahead. I think that he like, he's kind of a classic guy where if he's your third line center, you're feeling great. Like this, you know, one of the best third line centers in the league, like, holy cow, you know, we can really drive play. But if he's your second line center, then, you know, you're not too upset, but you're not also not, not feeling really confident. So he's, he's just that, you know, top nine tweener where he can be a top six player, you know, at, at a time, but really he's, he's better cast as, as a third line center, you know, him Cogliano O'Connor, I think is, is kind of the dream that Bednar had to, to start the season. Yeah, but the question is, like, where does Newhook fit in that? If if he doesn't fit into it, are you then saying that Newhook is just going to, you know, have another year where he's kind of just on the outskirts of t- ice time and not really developing? And then you got to ask, should he be playing with the Eagles and just absolutely lighting it up down there to get that <clears throat> confidence and scoring touch? So it's just like, to me, and then we talked a little bit about Horvat earlier, why it seems like an interesting trade would be a piece with JT Comfort for that because uh and I'll tell you Horvat's card looks more like Kadri's than Comfort's does when you look at their player cards so that to me says well if you have Alex Newhook and you can throw him in your 3C why wouldn't you trade JT Comfort to get an actual 2C along with another piece. Now, that's a whole nother conversation. But Evan, what do you think of that? It's a really interesting discussion. I mean, if you want to talk about stories of the year for the Avs, it's injuries and second line center, third line center. How are you going to go down with it? Center. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Center. Um, so I think I'll, I'll look at it this way. For New Hook, at least on t- talking back to New Hook. Um, up, up at CSU, I, I worked with a couple of interns who actually worked with the Colorado Eagles. And okay. when Newhook was set down last, at the beginning of last year, at the very beginning of the year after opening night, um, they said that Newhook was pissed. He didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, he didn't want to work with anybody. And, interesting. you know, while he did light it up down there, you know, great. And he was back with the abs within a handful of games after that. I don't know if that would be very particularly helpful. Right. For this, Sounds like that this would be harmful to his. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To his psyche. So, see, this is a mm-hmm. delicate yeah. situation that Sackick and, and those guys are going to have to navigate some some way. It, it really is. And and for Comfort, at least, 
Um, I think isn't I think Newhook is also due for a new contract by the end of this year. I know Comfer is for sure. Yeah. Um, I think Newhook is too. So we might have another like Nazem Kadri and Nuchushkin debate that we had at the end of last year. Like, mm-hmm. who do you keep out of the guys? Um, and that time it could be between those two. And if you really want to throw in Horvat and be like, oh, but wait, maybe he could be the one instead of Comfer or Newhook or whoever. It's a whole fiasco. This right. is why this is why we're podcasters and not NHL executives. <laughs> but um so it, it'll be really interesting to see which which way it goes either way. Um I I could not tell you what would happen at least right now. I'm liking Confer and for and in one C right now with the guys around him with Rantanen and with and Lekkinen aside him. I think that that has worked pretty well, but that's also just because Miko Randon has been a beast for the last month and a half. So, right. Yeah. I think like, if I can jump in, sure. I, I think uh, uh, keeping that line together when everybody's healthy seems like a good idea. Uh-huh. Like that line as a line two or, or I, I love that. Nachushkin uh, uh, with Gabe and, and Nate as a number one line mm-hmm. is perfect too. So, I, I mean, I think in a way they have their two C situation figured out with JT Comfer playing the way he is alongside Rantanen. Now, if it's, if it's Miko and Nate back together, I don't know how well that second line does with JT as a center. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's, it's that promising given his track record and what we've seen from him playing with, uh, with Gabe and uh, either Val or uh, Lekkanen in the past. I don't think that's going to work out, but I, I do like what I'm seeing right now. And I think there's a way to solve this without making a trade. And it is obviously health number one, but also structuring the lineup in a way that, that, uses everybody's strengths to the, their best advantage i i like that idea yeah. i like that well it would be it would be gabe mac nachushkin mm-hmm. first line and then lekin and confer rain it's like i like that i love I'd be it interested to see how that would go <laughs> i've loved it for two years and and <laughs> and i got ate a lot of crow for it earlier on in the season but it was it was it literally <laughs> had everything to do with what we're seeing come to come to terms within this season is that when shit hits the fan pardon my french you want a guy like jt comfer and it's not that you don't want a guy like alex newhook in that role it's just that he's a luxury he's he's the kind of guy that like if you get it when he's performing the way he's capable of he's probably got the skill to be a, a an actual first line center if he fulfills his potential I don't think he's mm. even a 2C at the top of his potential, which I think is where this gets kind of construed because you see what Newhook can become. It's very glaring in the, in just how he moves on the ice. But at the same time, you can't help but notice that JT Comfer has had his best month ever of hockey in the most, uh, I would say, opportunistic month of his life as a pro. He's got a contract year, and his team is experiencing injuries, and he's performing better than he has ever has. So I'm on the hill of trying to keep him around. I'm with that too, and I want New Hook around too. But it, like I said earlier, it's just one of those things that they're gonna have to navigate in a way that it, it's a fragile situation for sure. Yeah, here I mean, here's I'm... a wild card I'll throw in just really quickly. Okay. Yeah. New Hook, New Hook, Comfort, and Evan Rodriguez are all on deals until the end of the year. I was just gonna I'm... say that. 
I'm really liking what I like out of Evan Rodriguez. Yep. So it's it's going to be a hard choice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, anyway, go ahead, Jacob. I say I wanted to jump in with some Evan Rodriguez love because, like, I I mean, mm-hmm. Comfort has been great, but Rodriguez just has a he's got skill that Comfort doesn't doesn't sure. have, and it it fits you know the Avs go go style goal. a lot better than if the Avs are playing you know the their peak style. I think that you have Evan Rodriguez as two C over Comfort, and like. You know, the issue with Newhook is, is he a center? You know, mm-hmm. Bednar has moved him to the wing because he says he, do, he you know, he thinks he, he skates better on the wing. He doesn't think that, you know, he's able to drive up ice as, as powerful when playing center. And so, like, I think that's the open question with Newhook going forward is, is, you know, they drafted him as a center and they envisioned him as the inevitable 2C. But, you know, again, with how good Rodriguez is playing, comfort. You know, I don't think it's out of the the question that they could re-sign Comfort just because, like, you know, Newhook's a free agent. I don't think he'll be that expensive just because of, you know, he hasn't had that. that the numbers aren't year. there. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. And so, like, I, I don't think, you know, the only thing that would throw a wrench into the Avs plans is, is if some team comes along with, you know, a crazy offer sheet and throws it at Newhook and, you know, the Avs ju- just couldn't match. But after the year he's had, you know, I, I just I don't see that. And so I think that the debate will likely be Comfort or Rodriguez. Which one of those two do you keep? Which... I'm taking Rodriguez, Rodriguez, based on the what you said about him, kind of just fitting better, which is kind of what I le- mm-hmm. was leading towards with the conference stuff earlier. Go ahead, Ez. Yeah, I mean that, that there's 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 logic to that. I mean, I think if we if you just look at the ages of these players and the and the the window of when they're going to be most successful, Rodriguez is 29, Comfer's 27, and Alex Newhook is 21. So if it's me, if I'm making if it's if I'm playing NHL 21 and I get to make these decisions, <laughs> I'm signing them all to two year contracts. And at the expiration of those two, Rodriguez is gone. He's 31. I'm done with him. Comfer, I don't I don't pay anybody over 30 when I play NHL 21. Um, uh, <laughs> I did the same um, exact thing. I'm always don't, filtered. Don't your career mode. Filtered by age. <laughs> yeah. Um, Comfer, if he's still producing at 29, great. We'll keep him around. And then Newhook, hopefully by then, is ready to actually be a 2C. Right now, he's a 21-year-old kid who, sure, he has to play the wing because he's not strong enough and savvy enough yet to, to be an NHL center. But that makes sense he's 21 yeah let's not forget that you know yeah yeah he'd, he'd be a senior in college right now like, that's yeah. a great point yeah yeah evan, yeah, he, we're he, looking is evan. evan. he is evan. i can't believe that <laughs> right. is as old as me yeah like, it's crazy right anyway. yeah but like okay hold on. I, I do want to go back to the card comparison okay because at least at least seeing com- comfort and Kadri's card side by side I'm a little surprised that Kadri's card is not higher than it is mm-hmm. Same i great. definitely thought Especially at that price. Projected, I know. Yeah. I thought his projected war would be like in at least the 80s, you know, after his career year that he had. Um, Comfers, I'm pleasantly surprised about. I will say that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just think that the, the comparison of the two is is interesting and a good talking point. So props to you for that, Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> Very and, good content. <laughs> and uh-huh. it's, I don't know. I, I think it's just one that, that surprises me. And when you look at it in the in the grand scheme of things, keeping Comfort for maybe past this year, at least a little longer period of time than Kadri ever was here for a cheaper amount. You're not paying Kadri nine plus million that he wanted. Mm-mm. You're saving yourself money in the pocketbook. Ultimately, it looks like a good deal. Yeah. Um, and if injuries weren't so much of an issue, I think it'd be a really interesting comparison to see how the two would relate because Kadri's obviously playing at a higher role in calgary um when there's everyone healthy and then confer would be playing at a lesser role here in colorado when everyone's healthy so 
don't know. It's just, a, it's a good talking point and definitely not one I would have expected. Well, interestingly enough, we have somebody chiming in on our YouTube chat. Um, e Rich says, New Hook doesn't have the drive slash gritness that would fit in a line like, like LOC and COGS compared to Comfer, in my opinion. But in this conversation, how important is a center winning, center winning face-offs versus just overall production? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Who wants to take the face-off question? <laughs> oh, I do. Uh, oh, oh go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, ahead. Uh, I was say like I don't have a whole lot to say other than just like uh, early in this, like before the season, I did, uh, I you know tried to catch up on like a lot of advanced stuff and sure. advanced analytics and try to you know understand a lot of that. And a lot of the stuff that I read is that in the aggregate, face-offs don't really matter. Um, is that like they they're not really predictive of anything. You know, it's it's isolated situations like the classic example is like 30 seconds left on the penalty kill. Yeah. If you win that face off, you know, you can effectively kill it. But if you lose it, then, you know, there's still 25 percent of the, the face off there. So it's it's heavily situational where like there will be, you know, one or two face offs in a game. They're very, very important. But in the aggregate, they're they're really not. So situationally, Ezra, who do you think situationally between Comfer and Newhook has the advantage in terms of face-off like if you need a face-off oh. win who are you going for it's clearly Comper right now i mean he's he's taking uh i think like 60 percent of the face-offs right now something right. like that uh in the last couple weeks i i don't have the actual number in front of me but yeah and and there's a reason for that bednar knows what he's doing he's choosing the guy who's winning but again new hooks 21 maybe in two years he'll be a, a guy who can win face-offs too right so uh, i don't think that the face-off question needs to factor into uh, any contract decisions at all having someone on the roster who you trust to win face-offs in big moments is important um but that should uh, honestly going back to nhl 21 real quick for me that's my veteran fourth line center that's on every team you know yeah um, so it doesn't need to be your your 2c it needs to be somebody but it doesn't need to be your 2c it needs to be somebody who can kill penalties and that's comfort yeah and yeah. i fall back on the matt duchene story if you don't forget the year we were terrible Matt Duchesne led the league in faceoffs, and he, I think he won something like ninety crazy, like ninety percent of faceoffs. But yet there we were, experiencing the worst season in franchise history. So, like you said, it's it really is about situational faceoffs, and I think you're right when you say Comfort takes the nod. But you know, between the two of them, that might be the case. But even on the, in the big picture, he fits that role in the team better than most mm -hmm. people do. I think too, like that was one of McKinnon's focuses over the off season was winning face-offs. Evan, do you think that the face-off conversation is one that 
changes depending on the player, or do you think like they were talking about it really doesn't matter in the aggregate? I I'm kind of agreeing with Jacob that it doesn't really ma- matter at the end of the day. Um, it's very situational. I would be interested to see, you know, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I just have to do some digging of like what of like how many faceoffs they win on the penalty kill yeah. or on the power play and because he does or, a know, lot of neutral zone. zone he does a lot of de- defensive mm-hmm. zone faceoffs mm-hmm. which is a very important thing that that that's the most important situation you can think of especially if it's on the pk too so that's exactly that's um that's thank you e rich we appreciate you tuning in man and and giving us something else to talk about so kind of branching off of this player player comparison i wanted to do a side-by-side team comparison and Ezra is just like the masterful Ezra and he can see straight <laughs> through me so he already knows the answer to these um and I think you guys were in the room when he said it but I think Evan got it actually yeah Evan got I'll t- it I'll take the credit I, I missed it I was still wandering around looking for okay cool so. we have yeah. we have a yeah, I'm just asking all right yeah, just have Jacob Jacob <laughs> if you had to guess with who are these teams uh, so are the Aval the Avalanche have to be Obviously, one of them, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um, oh no, I did no. get it right. That's right. Yeah, is the top one the division <laughs> rank one, division rank number one, league rank number six? Is that that the Avs? No. Ah, uh, okay. Just I no, still finishing the, being we're so the bottom low one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then the other one. Is it like Seattle? It's that's a uh I'll give you a hit playing off of that. Go ahead, Ezra. I, I well I'll just tell you who the, the current um first place teams in the other divisions or in, in the divisions are. Um so that you can because that's what that league that uh, oh, okay. division rank is. Um and I thought I had it right in front of me, but I don't. So <laughs> just one second. Sorry. It, it's, um, it, I, say, I know Boston's Boston one of them. Carolina oh, Tampa. Dallas and Vegas. Ooh. Say Dallas. It's not Dallas. I'll give you another hint. It's not the last expansion team, but the one just before it. Southern Vegas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty big hint. Give me the answer. <laughs> so the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because look at all these deep metrics. And then look at the league rank and division rank. And I want to talk about this to point out the fact that the Avs, you know, we led the show with should we be worried, right? (laughs) And in reality, if you look at the bigger picture, the answer to that is a pretty hard no. Um, (laughs) We shouldn't be worried about what we're experiencing right now. In fact, we should be pretty optimistic given the fact that the Avalanche have been shorthanded. So I'll let you go first, Evan. What is your first takeaway looking at these two cards? Yeah, I mean, all all things considered, um, with everything happening right now with the Avalanche, we are not in a bad spot. Um, It's it's unfortunate. It obviously could be better, and I think we all wish it was better. But – in the grand scheme of things, um, the abs are in an all right spot considering like how they've been, you know, we'll, we'll forget the six, three loss to Arizona on Tuesday, because that was, that was just a trap game waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, that the abs have good at home. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that five thousand seat arena will do things to you, huh? Yeah, uh, in Toronto. You, I'm telling you, a lot of guys miss naps that day too. Can't miss a nap. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> you know it, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not something to be really worried about. Mm-hmm. Now, if we get to game, call it game sixty. If we get to game sixty, and the Avs are still either in the wild card um, or just outside of the wild card. That's when I would start to get a little more worried. We're not at the halfway point yet. Um, and if you get, once you get, you know, to that point in the season, that's when teams are playing their hardest hockey, the trade deadlines right around that time. Um, and there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening in the NHL mm-hmm. um, that can flip things around. So that's when I would be a little more concerned, at least right now in the grand scheme of things, especially when you look at this comparison between themselves and Vegas, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a, a side of relief i would i would yeah. say to an extent yeah because all around the hockey world for like the last month and a half it's been oh the vegas golden knights look like they can be that team again and that's fair i don't disagree with that uh <laughs> ezra does <laughs> but if my, I, I, was gonna, I mean i think we all wish that wasn't the case yeah. but let's be real i think the, um. the whole world internet world just dunked on them when they didn't make the playoffs last year which was so satisfying but <laughs> if you look at the goals against per 60 from year to year for the avalanche you see that there's been a little bit of an uptick this year compared to last year but that's completely explainable right if you look at vegas's you see a slight uptick, and that's also kind of explainable given that their goaltending has gotten a little bit shaky over the last couple of years. But to me, what Vegas should be a little bit more concerned about is their goal per 60 – excuse me, their yeah, their goal per 60 is dropping this year. Um, and, you know, they are got rid of Pacioretty. It seems like they're trying to bring in all these guys, but simultaneously taking away some of the pieces that they really spent a lot on acquiring. So, Jacob, do you think that, I mean, not to draw attention away from the Avalanche and talk about Vegas too much, but am I right in that maybe they should be concerned? Because that's a pretty heavy drop-off if you look at that, especially that 5v5 goals for. That's a pretty heavy drop. Yeah, um, I mean, Vegas is like, I think, notoriously kind of a, a tricky team to to wrap your head around. Um, you know, they're they're a threat, you know, expected goals in the league at five on five. They're third overall behind New Jersey and, and Carolina. So, you know, they're clearly, I think, the best team in that uh, division. The question with Vegas is, you know, that division sucks. Yep. And it like... <laughs> How, Another glaring. You know, how good are they really? Because, you know, you play your division more than anybody mm-hmm. else. And so, you know, that's it. not too much of a knock against Vegas because, you can, you know, you can't control who you play. But because, you know, they've been able to beat up on Vancouver and San Jose and, and Anaheim, that's actually a, a segue exactly. I want to get into at the absent at the end of this, um, is maybe they have had an easy go of it. And, you know, to flip this back to the Avs, their closing schedule is looking really, really nice. Mm -hmm. In March and April, they have three games against San Jose. They have three games against Arizona. They have two games against Anaheim. You know, they close the season at Nashville, who might be sellers at the deadline. They've got games against Montreal. They've got games against Ottawa. I mean, there are a lot of Pacific Division teams that, you know, Vegas has been stomping all year that the Avs are going to catch up with towards the end of the season. And so, like... I don't I think it's too early to press the the panic button 
you know, on the abs. And I also think it's too early to say that, you know, Vegas is definitely the, uh, you know, the class of, of the West, just because again, that, that division has not been great. You know, you can make a case that Seattle has been second best team in that division, at least by goal differential. They right. are, you know, the Kings are in second in that division. They have a negative four goal differential. <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a bad division. Yeah. It happens when you give up four goals, you know? They give out they give up so many goals. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But at least on the Seattle Talk, just really quickly. Go ahead. No, you're good. I would love, I would love to see the abs make their way back up to the top of the central. This is hopeful thinking. And then Seattle ending up in either the first or second wild card, and then having the abs in Seattle round one. I feel like that'd, that'd be, be a cool. really good matchup. It would be, be a little Berkey, awesome. abs versus Berkey mm-hmm. kind of thing going Don's on there. Too. Grubauer. Grubauer. Yeah, Ruby. It's, oh, I like that too. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just to kind of branch off that even a little bit more, if like the abs find themselves in the similar position where they're like good, but they're stacked up somewhere in their division, that's not very ideal. That's a definite possibility that they play somebody over there. So, I think too what I'm what I'm kind of taken aback by over here is why like we talk about the Avs are struggling scoring five on five, which is true in recent history, but we're finishing, we're good in goals for, we're good in goals against. I know that that's the whole point of the metric is that it's five v five, but like when you're hurt you need to be opportunistic that's more important i think obviously it's not more important but it's just as important in order to win when you're hurt to be opportunistic rather than consistent i don't know that's probably the dumbest thing i've ever said live but <laughs> tell me what you no. think about that ezra um <laughs> i agree yeah I think... <laughs> i'm just kidding man. Uh, <laughs> the joke was right there there's the comedian in a him softball. <laughs> but um you know i i think that like i think i think you you make a good point because it is it is true that the abs are are capitalizing on chances when they get them and they're just not creating as many chances as we're used to we see that with the expected goals for number being being 13 rather than you know vegas is five on here or mm-hmm. or what we would expect from the avalanche historically being being a lot higher but i think just my the thing that jumps out to me looking at these these uh these numbers here is, is how is Jared Bednar not in Jack Adams conversations right for now? sure he's keeping this team together keeping this team uh afloat in a way but also like keeping them on their game script keeping them playing well with mostly AHL guys for mm-hmm. a solid month uh yeah you never hear about him in those conversations it's funny enough it I get people on Twitter who are like oh Bednar's on the hot seat I'm like, what no. in the world? Are I'm sorry, you, you can't be you can't be on the hot seat the year after you win the Stanley. Cup. Well, like, I mean, tell that to who was the Capitals coach? He got fired. Oh, uh, oh, that's true. That was uh, was that Bruce Boudreau? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. Whoever it was, no, it was uh, uh, was it Trots. Trots, Trots, Barry Trots. Oh, it was Trots. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Trots. yeah he, they did it to yeah. him, but I mean. That was also um yeah he's that's that, happened that to him multiple times I'm pretty sure because didn't Lou just do that to him too in in New York mm-hmm. kind of thing so the, all yeah. they couldn't do was beat the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Avalanche are the only team to do that in the last three years but apparently that <laughs> was <right>. enough <laughs> but 
an interesting interesting point that you make that we're not talking Jared Bednar and we're not talking about the Jack Adams because I think you're right and I, I you brought a topic to the table earlier and I'll kind of hand the baton over to you Ezra you mentioned that mm-hmm. Jared Bednar kind of had an opinion on co- some of the defensive breakdowns we saw yeah um I don't know if you have if you want to pull that yeah, up me, on the screen, yeah, I'll I don't put the know if that's up, possible, but sure. I'll read what I what I have here. Uh, this is from Peter Baugh on Twitter, who said he asked Bednar if he'd consider splitting up the Gerard Johnson pairing after we saw some some pretty brutal goals against them in the last few games. But specifically last night, there were a couple of chances uh, generated when it seemed like they didn't have their gaps under control and just let. Kings players through to score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, Bednar's response was, uh, I'll just read the quote. Um, Let me make it clear. Those goals last night were not the D's fault with the gaps. Our forwards are there and did nothing. They just skated right through our forwards. We have depth in the neutral zone and they came right through our forwards untouched. So obviously our D's gaps are going to be bad because they don't know who they're taking yet. Right. Mm-hmm. It's our forwards job to steer that puck out of the middle of the ice on both those rush goals. And we didn't. Um, and then later he he singles out Cogliano and Newhook as the two guys who missed taking uh, taking the right angles to cut off the Kings players cut through the middle. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't know exactly how, what the avalanche systems are supposed to look like. I, I'm not in those rooms. I don't get to see how they're drawing things up on the whiteboard. But right. uh, it did look like in the play that we're watching that the two defensemen had the option to take a guy and didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the the defensive players are expecting the forwards to force them outside and they're waiting outside for those guys to come over to their area, then, you know, I guess that makes sense. So, so what do you guys think? Do you feel like what Bednar is saying is, is uh, uh, taking blame off of the defensemen to, to kind of deflect, or do you think this is a true reflection of, of how he's feeling about it? Uh, uh, Evan, I'll start with you. What do you think? Yeah, I was gonna say when when you shared that in our Slack channel, I was like, "That's that's an interesting comment." All right, yeah. uh, because I I I kind of see it as a as a deflection. That's mm-hmm. what that's where I see it as. Yes, it is. It's whenever you get scored on at all, it's always the, it's it's the entire team. They had to get yeah. through the entire team to, you know, get get through that. And I mean, personally speaking, that's what I was told. I I played soccer and I was a goalie. So I was always pissed whenever something was let in and my coaches were like, no, they beat 11 players before they got to you. And so that's, <laughs> that's the same here in, in, in this instance. Um, and, in, you know, I think the criticism is, I mean, the criticism is always necessary, at least, to, at least for that t- game time goal in particular. I mean, they move through mm-hmm. too easily, um, but more particularly um, Johnson has kept, I think now for the last couple of games, he's, he's been caught out a couple of times and, you know, led on man rushes on um, Gerard has been left out to dry um, a couple of times. And, you know, I, same thing with Gerard, his, his effort on that fourth goal. I mean, he kind of just poked out his stick and that was it. <laughs> I wish that he'd maybe stepped up a little bit more to at least maybe at least put some pressure on Sean Walker and, you know, at least be like, if you're getting a shot on net, you're not getting it in between the circles. You're getting it, you know, or, in at the hashes or something like that um and don't get me wrong i am a big 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 sam gerard believer he's still so young he's still so capable and brings so much to this team despite his stature but 
it's it's getting hard to defend him and it's it's getting hard can i try I yeah <laughs> well i think it's getting, that, you like, mentioned that play and i think that that play is exactly what bednar is talking about in this quote because if you watch that play and you're 100 percent correct i have two points one is you've gotten way too used to seeing Kel McCarr breaking up two-on-ones that he has no business breaking up. <laughs> and two, that is, the, that is the exact play that he's talking about in that uh, G has to have the choice to pick and take away the pass, right? That's his job in that position when the two-on-one. Typically, goalies like you to take away the pass so they can face the shooter and know – that if the pass goes, he's not going to give up that backside because you're defending the pass. So my thought process is with, with Bednar saying what he said, if you don't know who the defender is going to leave, especially if it's a three-on-one, which that kind of looked like as they broke in, he's not going to know even who to mark up as the guy who's going to get the pass. So he's kind of in no man's land. And then by the time it develops into a two-on-one, which at speed is literally like a second <laughs> it he's gonna have to make the choice to take the guy who's gonna get the pass and then you see him and that's when you say you see him wave his stick that was literally the thought process hitting him late right the puck was already at his feet when he's thinking about oh shit this is the passer and then you're doomed at that rate so i think you're right in saying that He's getting hard to defend. I just don't think that that goal is a good example of it. Um, I think you can look more toward his lapses in key moments along the blue line. And I think that's been a problem of his for a while. We've seen that come to the forefront. And he's brilliant with the tornado, but sometimes he gets a little bit fidgety up there and you can lose the puck or just not pick it up off the wall at all altogether. Um, so that's, that's just kind of what I would say in G's defense, but I will say that I agree with you, Evan, when you say this is a bit of a cover up, a bit of a smoothing over of the situation, because I do think that the back end has shown to be a little bit compromised. Do you, do you, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Jacob, Jacob, what do you think of what, uh, Adrian and Evan have said or, or the initial question? Uh, so I, I think Evan, Evan's got a point as far as like Bednar trying to shield, uh, you know, yeah. especially Gerard from criticism. I mean, there's been no Avalanche player that's taken more heat from the <laughs> Avs fan base than Sam Gerard the last few years. You know, half mm-hmm. the half the half the fan base wants him traded every you know yeah. every time his name <laughs> name comes up. So I definitely think that that's playing into it. But you know, the first thing that came to mind when I I saw that quote was how. You know, last year, Darcy Kemper talked about how difficult it was to adjust to the Avs system and how, you know, you saw it in the stats. He was just flat out bad the first few months because the Avalanche do have a different, you know, coverage system defensively. You know, as, as we're pointing out, we're not in the, you know, the uh, meeting rooms. We don't know the exact specifics of it, but you can particularly see on, on the penalty kill how they switch from high to low in a different way in their coverage than a lot of other, other teams do. And I'm sure that translates to, you know, their, their regular coverage at at five on five. And so I, part of me wonders, is that just a result of all of the injuries and you have all of these, you know, players who are playing together, who haven't played together all year. And so a lot of the, you know, avalanche coverage 
ties into their chemistry. And, you know, if you if you're playing a bunch of minutes with a guy, you get a, get a sense for where he's going to be. But, you know, if you have a new set of line mates every single night, it makes it a lot harder, harder to gel, particularly in a system that seems to be as complex as the Avalanche's defensive system is. And so I kind of think that a lot of these defensive breakdowns are probably just the, the result of, you know, the, a lack of chemistry that a lot of these guys haven't, you know, tried haven't play, played together the whole year. And I think that. You see that, you know, in, in Bednar's uh, unwillingness to break up the Comfort O'Connor Cogliano line, yeah. you know, that throughout all the injuries, he was he was shuffling every everything around, but he didn't want to touch that line until he basically had no choice and he had to ele- elevate JT Comfort. But I think that, like, you, you really see how important continuity is to the Avalanche's d- defensive scheme. And I think that stuff like, you know, plays like that are, are where we're starting to see it rear its head a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, go ahead, Adrian. I I wonder too, like usage for Gerard and Johnson in particular. Like, oh, poor Eric Johnson, right? <laughs> My guy, he's he's like, I guarantee you, he probably thought once or twice about hanging it up last year. Sure. Um, and I and I think like he's like, oh yes, we're coming back, and then these guys just start dropping like flies left and right, and he's like, but I'm the old man. <laughs> what <laughs> you know? Yeah. What I mean? It should be me. Yeah. Seriously, if anybody was going to put on the ice, IR, the ice like... bag was. They, I brought in that ice machine. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> this dude is being is probably working more than he anticipated um, this season. And I wonder if that's why we're seeing some of this rhetoric too from Bednar that kind of is like, it's saying, you know, we need to rely on these kids that we've brought up to fill these voids, to do better job at what they do. When in reality, it's like, well, yeah, our defenders are struggling, but it's a process and the process is a little bit uh, tarnished when your depth isn't quite there. Like not having Bo Byram sure hurts. Um, not you know it's pretty crazy. We we didn't. I mean we were good at glorifying Bo Byram in the playoffs for his performance, but I don't think we realize how important his absence has been this year to the Avalanche's defensive core. Because I think you're right, Ezra, and and you said the same thing, Jacob. Like their defensive strategy is typically a little bit more different than a little bit more different. It's typically a little different than everywhere else in the league. And you want to call on the guys who've been doing it for a while, you know, recall. And as weird as it sounds, Bone Byram is one of those guys. He has experience in the system. Uh, Ezra, I'll take it back to you. What was like, you brought this to the table. So what like Mm -hmm. jumped out to you and why, why were you thinking or what were you thinking of these comments? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just, uh, it's a really interesting conversation because a lot of the um, reaction to to what happened last night was to, to you know, <laughs> take swipes at EJ and Gerard. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the easy choice. But if you're not looking at the whole picture, then it's easy to maybe uh, overlook that the, the forwards have a big role in, in that defensive structure. And speed through the neutral zone is something that the Avalanche pride themselves on and, and, thrive off of offensively and try to limit defensively and they allowed it there and that's and that's a big uh you know that's a big knock against against those forwards who are making that those plays but at the same time it's like 
<laughs> EJ, you got to know you're slow. Hang back a little <laughs> bit. And and Gerard, you got to just make a choice because it's a couple games in a row where he's been in an odd man situation and it seemed like he had no idea what to do. Yeah. And I don't really care what you do. Just do one thing hard, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure the wow. coaches will tell him what thing to do, but it's like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to take one of those three guys on uh, in the, I'm thinking of the um, previous game, there was a three on one where he just kind of like waved a stick around. Yeah. And then, and then last night, two on ones where he didn't just take one of the guys, he kind of swiped at one and should cut covered the other a little bit. It's kind of like, and I hate to make this comparison, but it's kind of like what we saw from Jacob McDonald before he got benched as a defenseman mm-hmm. with just swiping around at, at odd man rushes and not making a choice and getting exposed. Gerard is obviously much better than Jacob McDonald. I'm not saying right. that I'm, I, I, I really like Sam Gerard and I think he's a really good player, but he just right now seems a little tentative. Um, so I, I agree with what's been said about this being kind of a deflection, but also kind of true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to kind of build off of that, that's the last thing I want to say about it is that, in times like now, when a lot of your guys are out, when there's how many defensemen are out? Three, three, four, three, something like that. Three, yeah. Three. Manson, Byram, who am I missing? I think it's just those two. Oh, two. Oh, then, it's yeah. just those two? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because well, McDermott, McDermott is back, but back, just not yeah. playing. Say, but yeah, tech, also forward. technically Still, not a defenseman anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> point, point being, like <laughs> you, you look for guys like Sam Girard to step up and – take initiative and, you know, lead this team forward. We've seen that happen before. And I wish we would see that at least a little bit more. Well, he did get a game winning goal last week. Yeah. He did. Yeah. 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 And and he has his moments where he's the same brilliant Sam Gerrard and he is still very good at a lot of things. Uh, It's just a little bit of like uh, decisiveness that I want to see him from him on the defensive end Mm -hmm. that I'm not seeing. I think that's fair. And I think that's always been people's problem with him, right? Is, well, the first one, which is the most layman one, which is that he's too small and not physical mm-hmm. enough to play the position. Which, you and know, then it's the, not 1997. Yeah, anymore. exactly. And then the next <laughs> one is that, which, you know, I, I agree. I think defensively, it's it, well, I've always felt this way, and I felt this exact way about Tyson Berry, coincidentally, which is that mm. much, much like a really productive offensive guy that can't play defense, it's kind of one of those situations where you kind of take the good the good with the bad as long as it fits your team. And it doesn't fit the team right now because we don't have that defensive depth because he's not insulated. He's the the guy right now. You know what I mean? So, I think that plays a big role and but at the same time, that's the way this goes. Like you're going to have to step up from year to year based on injuries as a pro. And Sammy's on a more long-term contract than most defenders get at his age. He deserved it. He earned it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. with that comes a little bit more responsibility. So I don't think it's unfair to expect him to improve a little bit defensively. Yeah, and I think this ties into um, something that Jacob pointed out at the beginning of the season, which was that coming into this year, looking at the roster, the big hole was defensive depth. He did. Um, and, uh, I know, right. Um, and, and that is like, it's a valid concern with the front office that they didn't shore up any kind of seventh defenseman situation beyond, uh, a bunch of guys who are proving that they're not 
capable of doing it in McDonald's and McDermott and to an extent um, Brad Hunt, who is, is playing well right now, but he yeah. really shouldn't have to be. Uh, Andreas Eglund is a nice well, well, surprise. Just I like say, him. Eglund but... for your ninth defenseman has been great, but yeah. like I like Eglund. Defenseman, not, yeah. you know, not as a he sixth. He had a rough start. I, I'm honestly kind of <laughs> yeah. happy with him as a sixth defenseman. I don't mind. I'd rather he yeah. be somebody who doesn't have to be in the lineup every night, but but I like what he's doing. I think he's yeah. he's been a pleasant surprise, but uh, it just seems like there needs to be a change made between McDonald McDermott and hunt for somebody mm-hmm. who can actually defend. That's it is. It's, it's, a, it's a little awkward. Cause like, you know, McDonald and McDermott are, you know, they're fourth line wingers at this point who barely even play, you know, the way, yeah. the way that Bednar is, is, yep. is shuffling lines right now is they're a three line team. And then he kind of mixes and matches for, you know, whoever need, needs a breather here and there. And so like mm-hmm. the idea that both of those guys are on the defensive depth chart, I think that that's gone at this point that England and Hunt have, have passed both of them. And, you know, frankly, I feel better now than I did at the beginning Agreed. of the season with England and Hunt instead of McDonald and, Mc, and McDermott. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But like, at, at least, you know, Hunt has shown that, that puck moving prowess, the, you know, that he, he fits in the system and yeah, England's been, you know, a very steady, you know, big body, body defenseman. He can kill penalties in a pinch if you, you know, you, you really need it. And so like, as pessimistic as I was about their depth at the beginning of the season defensively, I, I do feel better now than I did you know, to start the year. That is interesting because, you know, I mean, England got off to a rough start, uh, but he has turned it around. He's, he's like, like you said, it's like, um, and it's like, I talked about Gorgiev. It just feels better. I feel more confident when the team is heading toward that end of the ice, knowing that it's the third pair with those guys on than I do when McDonald was on the ice and when McDermott, honestly, no offense to McDermott, but that's not what he does. That's not who he is. That's not why he plays hockey, and we all know why he plays hockey. He, he and I don't really need to elaborate, but anytime he's yeah, anytime he's a part of your seven defenders, you should be slightly concerned. And we saw that in the playoffs. If he was valuable in big moments, he would have played in the playoffs, but he didn't. And everybody, when we were when we lost, I think well, we only lost four games all playoffs, right? Every game was always, well, when is McDermott going to get out there? Especially when we saw guys like Kadri going down and stuff with cheap shots. And it's like, guys, that's exactly what they're wanting us to do. They're wanting us to respond and change our identity to suit this style of hockey because that's not what the Avalanche play. So the Avs did a really good job of not taking the bait. And I think as a fan base, especially with a guy like Gerard. Don't take the bait is the same advice I would have with him. It's like, yeah, he's small, but that's not what a defender is anymore. It's not a big dude who can ride you into the corner. It can be. That's, that is an effective thing. But even those guys are skilled now. Even those guys can very move important the puck now. Question based on that. Do you guys think Darian Hatcher would make the NHL at this point? <laughs> Do you remember that guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. This depends. I don't I think, know. He might, let's say he I might think I'm too young for this question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that might be true. Here, I'll Google it for you. Yeah. Like, he doesn't play unless yeah, it's he was a prep team. <laughs> he was like the Dallas Stars attempt to have an Adam foot, but he couldn't skate. He had um, some lettuce. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. He was 6'5", 235 pounds. He played for the Stars. Yeah. Six, five. I hated that guy. That's, that's why he, he, was, a he was like... 
yeah, he was a good player for them, but he would, I just don't think he's like, yeah, he'd be like a, a, a like a Keaton Middleton now. Check this know? out. You want to hear something crazy based on what you just said? This is a great example of how much the league has changed. He was drafted mm. in 1990. That's 30 years ago, give or take a couple years. Eighth overall pick. Yeah. So that's what they valued yeah, back I, then was size, right? Size, if you could skate. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you were yeah. big, bring it on. You're getting my eighth overall pick. And now we're talking, would this dude even play? So they never <laughs> scored 20 goals in his entire career. Yeah. Not, e- not even in the minor leagues. He did have a pretty no. righteous mullet as a young man, though. So I got to <laughs> I gotta pay respect to that. Yeah. That's um, – <laughs> That's that's uh, something that I always get fired up on Twitter about, which is when it's it's the same, always the same topic and always the same counterpoint when it comes to Gerard. Well, mm-hmm. he's just not that physical. Mm-hmm. And what, that's actually that's not that's true. Like We've seen plays where he takes the body on guys bigger than him. Look at his hit last he night. Laid some, yeah, exactly. He laid, laid a dude out last night. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it didn't plus, like, stop a goal from happening. Yeah. But it, was nice. <laughs> it was like that frustration, ill advised, but it was nice. <laughs> I, I also think that like that point kind of misses the like idea of what makes a good defenseman at this point. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, you you want a defenseman who's mean and nasty that's going to beat people up. No, you want a defenseman that's going to get the puck out of their own zone. Yeah. That is the most important thing it's that you mean can do as, as, gets. as a defense. And he's mm-hmm. really good at that. Mm-hmm. Like. He is, mm-hmm. as far as zone exits go, you know, he can do it on his, on his own. Mm-hmm. And so, like, his skating ability defensively is a very big a- asset that he can that he can utilize. You know, you don't see Josh Manson skating the puck, you know, out of, out of the zone by himself. He's got to pass it out. You know, they got to use, use the system because that's, you know, he's more of an old school de- defender like that. Mm-hmm. And so, Gerard, you know, his skating ability is a huge asset defensively that can kind of bail the abs out you know, in some, some sticky situations. Yeah. And what better example than Makar? Like how, how much meaner does it get than when he goes coast to coast on a team and does that little dipsy do where he looks like he's going to dump, but he's still somehow skating forward. Like that's mean, that's nasty. (laughs) That'll piss you (laughs) off. (laughs) Exactly. And like who, which defensemen are we more excited to get back? Right. The, the old school Josh Manson or the new school Bowen Byram. It's it's Bowen Byram. It's Bowen Byram. Mm -hmm. He, Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> good, good on you, Evan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I I will say though, Manson had the biggest save of the playoffs. He'll go down in Avs yeah. folklore for that save he had. So I love Manson. I want him back too. Yeah. But, yeah. He's but he, funny enough, he's a good he's a good he was literally brought in to be G's partner. So mm-hmm. that shows you it's like. That those two t- styles they go good together, and if you have one, you lean too heavily in one direction on a pairing, that's when you run into trouble. But that doesn't mean that a play style like Gerard's doesn't fit in a in your top six or your top four pair. That means yeah. The problem is just that EJ can't be Josh Manson anymore. Exactly, um, and that's no but... what we can't expect him to be. Josh Manson no. either. So that's just we're we're taking it right now. We're we're taking our lumps. That's what it means to be a fan. And as these guys start to get better and healthier, we'll start to see the semblance of the absolutely dominant defensive core we saw last year, right? Which is probably why management was like, I think we'll be okay. We had the most dominant defensive production year in the history of hockey. 
So maybe maybe we'll <laughs> just true. ride on that. But and <laughs> thank God that we've seen some of these young guys come up and fill those other roles because I do think that that may have been ill advised, although true. Like Jacob pointed out, the defensive depth was an issue and is an issue right now for sure. So, who knew losing Jack Johnson would be such a big deal? No. <laughs> well, he would have, like, yeah. yeah, he probably would have scored the first goal of this year, too. That's true. <laughs> That's what he does. One goal a year. One goal a year. The first one. Uh, well, right on, Didn't gentlemen. He, he did that for Chicago, too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So. He did. Yeah. Weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh Jay Fresh. Hey, by the way, yeah, we used Jay Fresh's player cards today. So if you if you like those player cards, yeah, be sure to head over there. He's got some good analytics stuff. I think he uses, I think it's Money Puck that does all the data. I can't remember. I know he uses a data aggregate that gives him all this information. That's how he gets these cards. They're pretty insightful. So head on over there and check them out. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was if you folks have been listening on our podcast when we release them on Spotify and Apple and all that jazz, don't forget to listen to us live. We broadcast every single show live on our YouTube channel. And typically um, we start by me making a fool of myself for like the first 10 minutes. And that's pretty entertaining if you've never seen me make a fool of myself. So head on over to our YouTube channel, click that subscribe button. Be sure to go follow all these guys on Twitter and head on over to the website and see and read their latest and greatest work. I know, Evan, I think, was it you that wrote about the possible worries? Is it time to worry, or was that Jackie on the morning flurry? I think it, I think it was me on the morning flurry. I didn't I didn't update an injury list, but... Oh, you want to hit us with know. it? Hit us with it. Oh, God. Pull well, it's already outdated. <laughs> I, have to, it's already I have to pull up. <laughs> From this morning? It, I have to pull it up. No, it was, it was, I think I published it. Yes. Oh, okay. I was like, it's outdated, and we you published it this morning. <laughs> well, nonetheless, no. head on over to the website, give all those articles a read. We're very, very much um, in tune with what's going on with the Colorado Avalanche. We're sorry we weren't able to bring a guest on this week. It just didn't work out, but we have some exciting and surprising stuff in the works for our guests next week. Thank you, folks, so much for listening and tuning into the broadcast. My name's Adrian. I'm here with Evan, Ezra, and Jacob, and uh, go Avalanche, and, you know, just be thinking about JT Comfer and wonderful things in the meantime. <laughs> Till next time, have a good one, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Happy New Year. Sorry. <laughs> Ezra, you need to be the host. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the last episode that I'll be hosting. Thank you. <laughs> no, Happy New Year to you guys as well. We appreciate y'all. Have a nice day. <laughs>